Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Dunk Down Prime. If you'd like to get every team preview and Nate and Danny's coverage throughout the season, My Daily Dunks, Seth Partnow's written analysis, and much more, you can subscribe to Dunk Down Prime at Dunkdown. Dot supporting cast dot fm that's dunked on dot supporting cast dot fm all right we have no time to waste here the man of the hour with the the preseason debut of victor Wembanyama in the books uh, is <laughs> noah mcgarrett george of air almo the editor in chief how you doing man i'm doing great uh you know when victor Wembanyama is part of the san antonio spurs i get to cover that team i just got married so life could not be better it's been amazing how did Victor uh, take your proposal? <laughs> uh, well, I guess, you know, he's part of the team now. No, but, but in all seriousness, uh, man, I cannot be more excited to have a full season of this dude on this team after watching the Spurs lose 60 games for the first time since I've been alive. So, uh, yeah, very excited to cover the San Antonio Spurs this season. All right. Well, no more prevarication. How's he looked so far? I think Victor's looked Really, really solid, right? Like, I mean, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. We, you know, can can you look too deeply into those because it's the preseason? Probably not. But I think he passed the eye test, right? I mean, he's getting to his spots on the offensive end. He's already had a tremendous defensive impact. I mean, he's been all over the floor. So, man, I, I don't know what to say other than he's looked fantastic up to this point. I would agree with you. And I would say the biggest difference to me from Summer League, where, of course, he, he had that pretty miserable debut and then was much better scoring 27 points in the second game of Summer League. He just looks fast. He looks great physically. I mean, a few of these moves off the dribble, like he's actually getting some separation. That was something that I was kind of skeptical of, was the idea that people could really kind of get into his body, get underneath him, making uncomfortable. They wouldn't be able to create space. Uh, I mean, the jumper has been going in pretty well. Also, you know, when I went through all the tape on him and I did a couple of games uh, of his as well uh, on the NBA app, I was like, all right, I think this guy's going to be unbelievable defensively. Like, I think he's going to be efficient around the basket. But, like, is he going to be a guy you can throw the ball to? Like, is all this off-the-dribble stuff going to work? Are we talking about a, you know, seven-foot-five version? Maybe not of Kevin Durant. He's one of the greatest shooters ever. But, like, someone who can kind of play that way. And I was a little skeptical of that, particularly early on. First call of preseason's games, it's, uh, it's looking like it could be possible. Yeah, and, and, I, and I do think maybe... Like, I'm very excited for that, but I also would pump the brakes on that maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, they played a shorthanded Oklahoma City Thunder squad. They played, you know, an even more shorthanded Miami Heat squad that sat, you know, Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero and like nine star or five starters and four bench players, like certified rotation players for them. And well, like, yeah, the, the shot was falling. I think looking just at the numbers from when he was with Mets 92, um, when he was with, with Asphalt, which was, you know, Tony Parker's ball club that he owns, he's never shot, you know, a above 27% in any of his three professional seasons. So, for, from three, you know, you're 
you're saying. Okay, it's from three, from three. Yeah. yeah, no, not from the field, from three. And I, I don't know if I really buy into the, um, you know, the three point shot. You know, all of a sudden he's going to become, you know, like a near forty percent shooter from three. And I'm not really hundred percent sold, at least right now. I think maybe he can get there, but on the self creation stuff right now, because I, I agree with you, he has created some separation. He's looked like he's <clears throat> a little bit quicker off the bounce. Uh, but I, I still, I still think he's got such a high center of gravity. And I think he still has trouble rounding the corner. I'm not really 100% sold on that really translating from day one. Now, do I think it will happen eventually? I think it could. Yeah. Th- but that's for more now, I'm, I'm fine pumping about. the brakes. That's more where I was going is that, you know, like that that could be in the future. I mean, it's I think he's going to kind of play that way and probably not be that efficient as a jump shooter this year, although even doing it in two games is is useful. But yeah, um, I, I mean, but that was the biggest thing to like, like running the floor too. He looks really fast. Absolutely. Running the floor uh particularly in transition maybe maybe leaking out more than you might like uh, for defensive rebounding but you know I, I, like I, i've liked that um how have the spurs been using him in the early going yeah so from the first couple of games that i've been watching it seems like they really have not force fed him the ball necessarily you know asked him to create a ton off the dribble he's been stationed in the corner he's you know coming off of pin down screens he's um taking the ball down occasionally down the court and he's the initiator in the pick and roll and then he's rolling to the basket uh as a screener, uh, he's popping as a screener. Um, you know, I, I think they've been really creative with him, and I think they've really been trying to get into a lot of early offense where, you know, they're grabbing the rebound, they're pushing the pace, <clears throat> they're trying to find him in his spots. Whether that's on the left elbow, the right elbow, and he's pulling up over guys who are smaller, smaller than him on mismatches in transition. Like, you know, that was kind of like one of their guiding principles last year was push the pace, you know, try to get into early offense. We're not great in the half court. I, I still think that's kind of gonna gonna be one of the things that they try to do this year. And they've definitely already shown that that's something that they're willing to do with Victor Wimbanyama, you know, as you mentioned, even just like leaking out and trying to get him, you know, running down the court because he's just so fluid. He's so big. There's really nothing you can do, um, you know, with him running in transition. There's nothing you can do as a defense. Yeah. And one thing I've liked is, you know, it hasn't been, hey, we're going to call a straight post up for you at the block, but they have really encouraged him to get those Anthony Davis deep seals after challenging a jumper. He's playing the four, so he's, he's out in the perimeter more defensively. And so... I think I noted that he hasn't been hitting the defensive glass a ton, but that I think that's kind of by design. Uh, and the difficulty is that he causes for a defense when he challenges the shot of like the six, seven guy who's guarding him because he's playing the four uh, and then runs down the floor and you can just kind of throw it up to him. Yeah, he's skinny, but okay, you try to like push him out and then he'll just like disengage, let the guy get around him and then you could just throw it over the top and it's a dunk so that he's picked up a bunch of fouls that way. That's been uh, pretty interesting or just like a way to kind of get him some cheap points while also not you know having a ton of wear and tear or having to go against the set defense so uh, i've liked that a lot i mean pop said what was it after the second game like he scored his 20 and we didn't even call any plays for him yeah yeah he said i think he said he called one play for him and he didn't even score on that one all the other points were off <clears throat> just like things coming organically through the flow of the offense so yeah i mean it's been really really impressive one of the things that i did want to mention too was this dude i mean it's only been a couple of times but this dude has knocked down a couple of threes coming off of dribble handoffs like i, I don't know if i've ever seen <laughs> someone who's you know seven three seven four seven five do that ever uh it, and it's just been like a couple of times a game you see him do something you're like i, I don't think i've ever seen someone that size do that before uh, i mean we've basically never seen someone that size <laughs> do anything <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
Like, I, I mean, Yao is probably the, you know, seven, four, I, I guess Ralph Sampson was up there too. You know, he was probably doing stuff like that, you know, back in like, you know, eighties mid range type of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Yao was, he was slower, but it, you know, had a really high skill level. Those are probably really the only two you could point to, I guess, you know, people said like Kareem was like seven, four or seven, five. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some of those like threes on the move, I think his shot just looks a little bit more compact, a little bit tighter. Like he clearly, you know, a lot of the stuff about like, yeah, he hasn't, he hadn't really gotten to work out the way he normally did. And there was all the draft stuff and, and he was, had all this media stuff and he was like, Hey, I'm going to go not talk to you guys for three months. He clearly has used that time. Well, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's packed on about 10 pounds of muscle. He said he feels like he's in the best shape of his entire life. And, and I do think there really was, was something to, you know, the whole draft, you know, wave that went over where he wasn't in his usual routine. He was coming off of a season with, you know, Mets 92, where he didn't miss a single game. I mean, he was playing basketball for months and months and months and months straight, right? I mean, he didn't miss any games and, you know, he was the main option. He was playing the most minutes in the league. He was taking the most shots in the league. He, you know, he was doing so much. And I really think that that did impact a little bit what we saw at summer league. So I'm really happy to see him, you know, in his element, looking healthy, looking, you know, in shape, and especially just hearing it from his mouth saying that he just feels like the best he's ever felt physically in his life. And, and it, I think it's really shown through the first couple of preseason games. Big time. Uh, what have you made of him on the defensive end and uh, the role he's been playing there so far? Defensively, it's been really interesting to watch, right? Because he kind of reminds me of what I kind of expected from Devin Vassell coming out of Florida State, where, you know, they're not really asking him to go guard the, you know, best scorer on the other team. They're kind of stationing stationing him on the perimeter, letting him roam a little bit, help on the weak side and come over. And it's it's been incredible because it's like, even when he's not, or it looks like he may not be in position, he's still there. Like he covers ground, like his ground coverage is just so insane that it's, it's one or two steps for him and he's there and he's got the, you know, the hip flexibility. He's got that lateral mobility, um, the foot speed. It's just been insane. And, and one of the things that just absolutely blew my mind in, in that first preseason game where I don't remember the player he was guarding, but he was at the very top of the key from three, you know, pretty much airtight on his guy and somebody's driving down the lane and he makes this insanely long dig. I mean, I've, you know, he's got like an eight foot wingspan. This guy with an eight foot wingspan is digging from the three point line on a drive that's in the middle of the paint and he jostles the ball loose and it's a fast break going the other way. Like, I just don't know that anybody else is able to, I, I don't know if I want to say be two places at once, but basically be two places at once on the defensive end. It has been, I mean, just astounding watching him be so impactful, even though he's not necessarily like a traditional rim protector. I mean, it's just been incredible to watch. Yeah. And I do think ultimately the best use of him will be as a rim protector. I mean, he just blocks shots that basically we've never seen anyone ever get to. And there's been a few times when he's been in position that guys have tried to shoot over him and it's been comical. Uh, but, you know, he's going to be playing <laughs> next to a center. I think most of the time we can talk a little bit more about what some of the combinations will, will be in a second here. But, uh, you know, I think for his evolution, much the way that KD was playing at the two when he first started, right? And PJ Carlissimo was kind of derided for that. And, uh, you know, that did kind of save KD from that pounding at first. And so I think Victor having a center next to him most of the time, uh, I would still like to see some of him at center. But like, so it'll be frustrating to me that he's probably not going to work as much as a rim protector this season. And it'll kind of be more opportunity shot blocks or plays where he's crashing down as opposed to just, you know, putting 
him in the center of all of the offensive action. Uh, but I still like as this is a long term project. I mean, maybe you can talk more about what some of the quotes have been uh, on that. But to me, this is like if you want to make this guy the best that he can be three, four years from now and build up his body and get him to be able to play on the perimeter. And then, you know, you can always uh, get him to be a good rim protector where he's got good instincts. I, I could see that as a long term project, even though I would say maybe the best team for the San- thing for the San Antonio Spurs to win basketball games this year would be have him around the rim more, have him patrol the paint. Um, you know, that's not really what it's about, I would say, at this point. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? Like, that's not really what the Spurs are looking to do. I think they're fine being, you know, patient with his development. They've talked about, you know, he's going to be playing with a, a more traditionally sized center pretty much all times on the court. And they've held true to that for the most part, right? It's been either Zach Collins or Charles Bassey or I think a few minutes of Sandro Mamakalashvili here and there, but we've really only seen two or three minutes of him just being the lone big man, like, uh, you know, the lone center in any lineup during the preseason. And I just don't anticipate them to try to rush anything. And, and you mentioned it already. Like they're trying to save his body. They're trying to build up his body. They're trying to save him from that, you know, physical punishment of, you know, pounding away, uh, you know, and, and defending bigger players. So I don't know if we'll see a ton of it as rookie season. And I don't know if the, you know, mission is necessarily to win, a ton of games. You know, I know Popovich said, you know, winning this season is as important as development was last season. You know, he could just be saying that, you know, th- there's never really a time where I think he's like, oh, you know, we're trying to lose games. So, you know, I guess take that with a grain of salt. But I do think it's mostly <laughs> going to be about development this year again. Well, and I guess when we're talking about them trying to win games, we can talk about what some of the combinations are going to be with Victor, because I think this is such a so fascinating, particularly when you also have a guy in Jeremy Sohan who has a, a lot of versatility and interested to get your thoughts shortly on his rookie year and where he's at uh, right now and how he kind of fits into this whole puzzle but all right Zach Collins kind of adequate you know lower end starting center all right you want to start him you know everybody starts big whatever when you're kind of like okay we're gonna play Charles Bassey now too and like Victor has to play next to him as well that's kind of like ah like Charles Bassey if you're comparing him to like okay we're gonna play Victor and Charles Bassey together and like so we're not gonna see Sohan and Wembenyama at the four and five like you're just like Charles Bassey just isn't as good of a player he's not really important to what their future is in the way that some of these other guys are so that's if it's going to be a lot of Wembenyama Charles Bassey Wembenyama and I don't know who else who else you want to say Don Barlow I'm I like him so I maybe I'm <laughs> maybe that's what I would be kind of interested to see but it's just going to be like <laughs> let's just get this like total cipher not that Charles Bassey is a terrible player but like not a guy who's like the future of the franchise is riding on that's where I'm kind of like hey you know can we just have him play a little bit of center would that be all right yeah and I, and again yeah I do think it's mostly going to be those two guys like we may see a little bit of Sandro Mamakelishvili I'm right there with you I love Dom Barlow I wrote about him a ton last year even though Spurs fans were like yeah I think you're just you know like <laughs> blowing smoke you know, like it, it, you're trying to find any positive angle, but I really do like Don Barlow and we we don't have to get into him too much. But yeah, I mostly think it's going to be those bigger bodies. I would love to see him alongside Sohan. Yeah, I don't know how much we're going to get that. I don't even know if Sohan's going to start this season. And to be honest with you, based on everything Pop has said, everything that the players have said from media day to these you know, press conferences before games and after games and during practices, like 
there's been no indication that the starting lineup has been set. It doesn't sound like they know who it's going to be. And for now, at least my feeling is it's probably going to be Sohan off the bench, which I, I don't I don't really know what to make of that yet. Well, yeah. So he started at point guard in that Miami game. You know, that sort of seemed like a, all right, let's just try this out and see. I, that, I don't know. I mean, maybe you feel differently. Like if it went so well that you think that could be something they really would go to regularly. That was kind of just like, ah, eh, let's just experiment and, and find out how this goes. But yeah, I mean, if it is him off the bench, like I get that because if you want to start Victor at the four, like you can't play Sohan at the three and you've also got Vassell and Keldon Johnson and you got all these shooting guards that you want to get a look at. Trey Jones, you know, had a solid season a year ago. You know, maybe you could say Sohan would be like play a little backup point guard. Um, But then, you know, your shooting is pretty rough there. So Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you had to guess at the starting lineup right now, uh, what do you think it will be and, and what do you think it should be if you uh, there's two different answers to those questions? Yeah, so, you know, Pop said nothing set in stone. And at least for me right now, I'm looking at the the locks for me are going to be Zach Collins, Wimbenyama, uh, Devin Vassell. And then I guess... If I had to guess that, you know, what the rest of that lineup would be, I'm thinking probably Keldon Johnson and Trey Jones. Like, I, I think that seems to be my feeling that that would make sense. Uh, what it should be, uh, at least what I would want to see, I would love to see them just get kind of <clears throat> kind of crazy. I, I'm, I'm fine with them kind of experimenting with a bunch of stuff, even moving, you know, Trey Jones to the bench, maybe starting Sohan at point guard. And then you've got, you know, Vassell, Keldon, Wimbenyama, um, you know, in, in Zach Collins in a really tall ball lineup, if you will. So I'd love to see that. But again, it's just like there's so many possibilities. There's been no sort of solid information that they're willing to give us yet. And I, I still don't know what's going to happen because now we're getting Keldon Johnson in the preseason tonight. But, you know, we're also losing Trey Jones, Devin Vassell and Wimbenyama. They're not going to suit up. So <laughs> I have no idea what the starting lineup's really going to look like. I guess if you're willing to play Trey Jones at point guard, I mean, now he has a, a lot of point guard skills and he's you know really good defensively, maybe getting over screens. So, and I think is good too. You know, again, we got to kind of hit on a, a breakdown of him. But uh, if you're willing to play him and his 2.9 and 3.9 times per 36 minutes shooting 29%, you might as well, you could play Sohan too, right? It's, it's probably not really like a huge <laughs> shooting upgrade to have Trey Jones uh, over Sohan at, at that position. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I, I, Trey Jones has made some strides, right? Like every single year he's upped his volume and his three point percentage. But like, how much does that matter when you're upping it from like 12% to 19% to 28%? Like it, you know, he's still not a good three point shooter. He's still passing up a ton of three point shots. So, like, you know, I, I'd be fine with seeing Sohan there in that same breath. I just don't know that anybody else is quite as natural a playmaker or ball handler as Trey Jones. You know, I don't know that anybody else is getting that sort of dribble penetration. Um, anybody is as 
shifty as with the ball in their hands as he is. Not that Trey Jones is like, you know, Kyrie Irving or Luka Doncic or anything like that. But yeah, there's definitely some question marks around the lineup and in, in, in deciding, you know, what are the trade-offs between Sohan and, and Trey Jones? All right, well, let's play a little game here because as we mentioned, this season is really still uh, about development. I, I take it at face value that they're going to try to win games, uh, but, you know, within the context of like, hey, we've got all these young guys that we want to get better that need to play. Wembenyama is obviously their most important prospect in terms of just you know, a combination of position and upside and just kind of their eventual who we think will have the best career uh we've got Sohan Kelton Johnson Vassell Trey Jones uh Malachi Branham those are probably your candidates uh, at this point let's put these guys in order uh, in your opinion like who's kind of like the number two most important guy on this roster you know for the ultimate future uh, of the Spurs yeah I think without a doubt in my mind it has to be Devin Vassell I mean he's a guy who they just gave the richest contract in Spurs history to granted you know that's going to change once Wimbanyama's up for an extension but yeah, it's got to be Vassell. I mean, Vassell's a guy who I really believed coming into the 2019 NBA draft or, or 2020 NBA draft rather. Uh, you know, I think I saw a little bit of self-creation potential from him at Florida State where he was upping his, you know, pull-up mid-range jumper volume from year to year, from his freshman year to sophomore year. Really loved him as an off-ball defender, a guy who's kind of like a ball hawk, is able to create, you know, havoc in the in the passing lanes. And I think he's really upped his game every single season. You know, he he's upped his volume of pull-up jumpers, his efficiency from mid-range. His three-point volume, um, you know, he's not just a guy who's catching and shooting. He's a guy who can shoot on the move a little bit, who can, you know, run around screens, shoot and transition a little bit. And he was starting to figure things out a little bit, like getting to the rim. Like, can he be a three-level scorer? And then, you know, the that arthroscopic knee surgery that he needed last year kind of like halted the momentum. But I do think he's the most important player on this roster outside of Wimbenyama. Yeah, and some interesting stuff uh, with him in the pick and roll now, somewhat akin to Derek White a few years ago. A lot of that is just he shot ridiculously well on jumpers off the dribble out of the pick and roll. He was 45 of 76 on jump shots off the dribble out of high pick and roll. So like almost 1.3 points per possession. That's I think that's about the highest number I can ever recall seeing on that kind of volume actually. Now, that's that's a little <laughs> fluky and you know when you compare he took 98 jumpers off the dribble out of pick and roll and got to the basket 17 times, uh, according to Synergy's tracking. So, uh, and actually, it was only six out of 15 on those uh, uh, basket attacks, uh, those 17 basket attacks. But I mean, that's really interesting. Like, if that if he's really is that type of mid range shooter, uh, that that adds a, a nice element to this group as well. And yeah, for him to be uh, defensively, you know, I'm not sure he's like quite big enough to kind of be a number one, but he's just another active defender. Like, he's not meat on an isolation and he's also you know pretty good in the passing lanes getting steals that sort of thing um anything else you wanted to kind of add on his development and maybe you know what kind of player he could become I think really for the development, really for a lot of this roster, but for Vassell in particular, the Spurs were just so bad in terms of pull-up shooting from three last season. I think they finished uh, last in three-point percentage on pull-up jumpers from three. I think they were second to last in volume. (laughs) Like they were just really bad in that aspect and nobody was good there. And and if he can add that to his game, like that's a big ask. That's not, that's not like something that just, you know, happens overnight. Right. So I'm not necessarily expecting that from him, but if he can add that, I think that really changes that the dynamic of the kind of player that he can become like that i think that would take him into that all-star you know perennial all-star territory but for now i think 
you know, Vassell, I, I do really believe in that mid-range jumper. Like, I, I know it's a small sample size, but before he went down with injuries last year um, at the All-Star break, before he had that really long extended period where he was out for like a month, you know, it was only third to Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant in terms of mid-range uh, shot effic- efficiency for guys who were taking at least six mid-range jumpers a game. So, like, I believe in, in that. I, I really think he can get to his spots pretty easy. He doesn't really need a lot of separation to get those shots off. Super high release. Um, really long arms. Like there's, there's not a lot of guys who are touching that jumper, uh, you know, who, who are guarding him one-on-one. Um, I, I really believe in him though. I really, really believe in Devin Vassell. I think he can be an all-star player, but we'll just have to see. There are just so many guys on this roster that, you know, we're going to have to figure out where do they fit into the long-term plans? Cause they're starting to become sort of this log jam of prospects that the Spurs have. And like, where do you find minutes for them? Who gets the shots? Who gets priority? So that's going to be another thing that they're going to have to figure out sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. G- Going back to your point on the three-point shooting for Vassell, uh, this isn't quite exactly the same, but uh, Seth Partnow's numbers that we have noted that he was uh, 27.6% on what Seth terms as self-created three field goals, which basically, you know, with a touch time of more than a certain number that basically say like, yeah, you created this yourself instead of it's like a quick, you know, team-created catch and shoot or maybe, you know, throw it to him one quick dribble and shoot. So yeah, that's where he needs to get better. His form is a little, like he kind of shoots a jumper and those guys who shoot with that form he kind of has like that long high release yeah i'm not sure how well that translates to to off the dribble three-point shooting although it works very well for mid-range we've kind of seen a lot of guys who like get a lot of air under their feet when they go up for mid-ranger which i think is kind of him that won't translate to the 23-9 uh the way it can from you know even like 19 20 feet uh, at times so uh, i'm interested to see whether he can add that to his game but hey you know what like yeah he's not going to shoot 65 percent or whatever it was uh, on uh <laughs> off the dribble mid-rangers but i mean if he can get high 40s 50 that that's a pretty good offense uh would you agree with my assessment of him defensively yeah no i don't have anything else to really add there i mean yeah he's a guy who I think he's become better on ball. Um, he's certainly not like a a lockdown stopper, but he's never going to be a liability there. And then just his off ball activity makes him really useful. Like that, that's one of the things that really popped at Florida State. I don't think it popped as much the last couple of years because the Spurs have been so bad. But I think with Wimbenyama on the roster, it changes everything, right? It, it makes his life a lot easier. He can gamble a little bit more. So I'm excited to see kind of how he progresses as a team defender this year, or at least how he can be more impactful. Yeah, I might uh, argue that. Uh, you know, maybe I don't foresee Jeremy Sohan having the higher median outcome than Devin Vassell, but that I might consider him to be a little bit more important if he could really reach his ceiling, just because of like the way three, four years from now, I just think his fit with Victor Wembanyama could be amazing. Uh, I thought his uh, individual defense, particularly uh, just a few moments early in the season that really popped to me of like, oh, this guy's going to be a really good defender in this league for a long time, even though though i was trying to avoid uh having my dennis rodman flashbacks from the number and the, and the <laughs> hair uh was that intentional by the way do you know that like whether he actually was trying to kind of like pick that number and the hair to like be like kind of dennis rodman spurs yeah no i don't think so i think he he's always saying like oh you know i want to be unique i respect that guy but you no know, i think he just likes changing his hair all the time he likes having the you know new tattoos all the time but it is interesting like there probably is some correlation there i'm sure deep down like you know he's got a lot of respect for this guy and he's probably inspired by him a little bit but i think sohan really made a point last year he's like i, I want to be my own guy uh you know i don't want to be you know the next dennis rodman i want to be the first jeremy Sohan. yeah which you I, know I figured, you hear that from a lot of players right i, like, I figured someone would have brought that up uh at some point with 
with him. But yeah, I mean, there are some Rodman-esque qualities, particularly in terms of his individual defense. Although, you know, Rodman is one of the greatest defensive players ever. Uh, but yeah, just to give me your impressions. Uh, well, would you agree with me that he's at least number two behind Vassell in this group we're talking about? Or is there another prospect you kind of like better than him? No, I, I think... Jeremy Sohan is the second most important after Vassell. Like, he's got so much defensive versatility. He's got so much, you know, switchability. He can switch. He can guard multiple positions. He's a guy who, you know, he's very strong, but he's also got really quick feet. He's also got great lateral mobility. He's got a high engine. And one of the things that really stood out to me was his screen navigation at his size. I don't know if that's something that you picked up on that you really liked oh, from sure. him, but I was really impressed with the screen navigation for a guy who's like legitimately six foot nine, six foot eight, 230 ish pounds. Like that was really impressive for me. And I think in combination with Wimbenyama, like I think those two guys could be really dangerous, especially if they eventually, you know, they, they go that route where Wimbenyama's the five, Jeremy Sohan's the four. Like I, eventually I think that's what will happen, but I think that's something that, Hey, we, we might have to wait a little bit for, but something that fans should be excited for, you know, to see not, you know, not too far down the line. Uh, and like, so he had like a couple of like big scoring games later in the season when I'm sure a lot of people had uh, pretty much checked out uh, on this team. Um, <laughs> how is he doing that? Like, is there, you think there's anything there or, or was that just kind of, you know, a one or a two off basically? Yeah, I kind of feel like it is mostly a, a kind of a one off thing, two off thing. Like, it, I, I don't think he has a ton of self-creation potential. He's not a guy who's particularly shifty with the ball. He's not, um, particularly smooth off the dribble, um, pulling up, you know, for, for mid-range jumpers. He's not someone who's a threat to, you know, score a bunch from beyond the arc. Like he's, you know, he's a standstill shooter exclusively from beyond the arc. And he's not even knocking down those looks at a very high rate. Like, and that's not to say that, you know, there, there are other areas that I'm very uh, high on him on. Uh, but as far as scoring goes, I think he's mostly an opportunistic scorer, a guy who's, you know, running in transition, a guy who can come off a dribble handoff and get to the rim, a guy who's following his teammates misses because of his, you know, insanely high motor and he's, you know, getting second chance points. But no, I don't really think he's a guy who in a couple of years we're going to say, oh, my God, like, you know, he's scoring 20 points per game or 18 points per game. Like, I think he's mostly just an opportunistic score. Yeah. And if you, you look at uh, some of the numbers from last year, I mean, the turnover rate on the self-created stuff uh, is sky high. It didn't really have anything in terms of post up or ISO or pick and roll ball handler that was uh, remotely efficient, as you might expect. Uh, again, I mean, I, I thought there's th like he does have some ball handling ability, right? Like the idea of playing him at point guard is not, you know, I don't think you want him running a bunch of pick and rolls, but the idea of him just bringing the ball up and stuff like, and he's got pretty good passing vision. That's probably, I would say, his best offensive attribute uh so yeah I, I mean it's the spurs have had success kind of molding that sort of clay before into someone who can become a better offensive player like he certainly physically you know i think that was one of the things again like the spurs you know i thought sohan maybe like didn't look as explosive at baylor and i thought when he came in with the spurs that they really like helped get his body looking good and he looked just much more athletic and his finishing around the rim i think was a lot more explosive uh so I like I, I think there is like he does physically have the ability to do more on offense, but of course, you know, the shooting and, and like his ball handling is ability to get to the rim. Like he's flashed that some, but yeah, I mean, the shooting is a, obviously a uh, major work in progress. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. I think like the handle is mostly just functional. And I think the passion passing vision is for real. Like, I, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a guy who has the ball all the time or he's commanding like 60, 70 touches per game. Like Trey Jones was a season ago, but I do think, you know, he can get by guys, you know, who are similarly sized. He's got that, you know, frame that he's able to kind of displace guys, 
dislodge guys on drives, <clears throat> command a little bit of help, get two feet in the paint, kick it out. Like he's, I think he he's he's got some potential as a playmaker. I don't think he can be the engine of an offense, but I do think he can be one of those guys where I don't know how much we saw it last year, but be really good as like a a short roll playmaker. Like, and I'd love to see him used more as a screener, as a roller. Uh, he he, they didn't really use him too much in that in that way last season, but I would love to see them kind of try to get him going in that way this season. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Okay, who would then be number four for you in this group? Number four, probably Malachi Branham. I love Trey Jones. I really don't see Trey Jones as more than Keldon Johnson, you know, a, a spot starter. Oh well, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Let's him? let's go back to there. No, you did, and and I completely blanked on Keldon. Yeah, I don't know where we throw Keldon. Like I, I think Keldon for me is still kind of in an awkward piece to try to figure out what do you do with him like I, I think he's really good on dribble handoffs I think he's a really good spot-up shooter um I, I don't know that he's a you know an awesome playmaker I don't think he has phenomenal court vision or anything like that you know he's gotten better at taking the blinders off on drives and I think he upped his assists per game to about four over the last 10 games or so last season but I, I just don't know where he fits in long term like and I'll, I'll ask you because I'm curious where do you see him fitting in long term on this roster because I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure where he fits. Well, it all comes down to what he can do defensively. Like his <laughs> another guy that they've really developed. Right, the big question was whether he could shoot, and yeah, his shooting wasn't amazing. You know, he kind of shoots that moon ball, but his volume is high. You know, he's going to be a guy who I think will make open shots at a minimum. Maybe you don't need him taking quite as many as he's been taking, but uh, he was thirty three percent last year, seven point one per thirty six minutes. I think the previous year. It was better than that but you know he clearly has made himself into an adequate shooter and you know some of these headlong drives I mean he was kind of the number one option for a lot of last year uh that's he doesn't have like a ton of explosion at the basket he kind of devolves into some contested floaters and you know he does get to the foul line a little bit like that's something maybe that that could help him be more efficient inside the arc but I think to me it comes down to defensively you know I mean is he gonna be you know I, I think he's got that big body that was sort of the reputation coming out of Kentucky was like this guy oh, like let's see if his offense develops but like he's he plays pretty hard and he's got this strong body and you know switching was all the rage at that point and still is obviously very important but can he be a plus on the defensive end like is he, he probably not a stopper like getting over screens but you know if he's it has to switch on to a point guard can he do that or is, or is he going to be quick enough if he's got to switch on to one of the best uh, scorers uh you know can he do that who who is that guy is he part of that group who can guard players like that is that really only Sohan that's kind of a question I have for Vassell ultimately too but I think if he can prove that he can be solid uh, as an individual defender then I think there kind of is a place for him going forward and you know his contract's low enough that it doesn't really matter if they have to bring him off the bench that's fine but 
And so that's, yeah, that's see, what that's, I wanted to ask where you, is, is yeah, where and, he is defensively. And that's where I, I don't really buy into Keldon. Like, really outside of a couple flashes, his first season with the Spurs, he's been pretty awful defensively. Like, um, individually, he's been pretty terrible. Um, like, players have shot well above league average against him in man-to-man situations every year since his rookie season. Um, you know, guys get by. It, it, the, the problem with me here is that he's too like heavy footed to really stay in front of guards, uh, but he's not big enough to really defend forwards. Uh, so like he, he's pretty often a liability there. And as a team defender, he's a pretty huge liability as well. And, and I like, that's something he's talked about. Like he talked about during media day, like, Oh, I've watched film. One of the things I've realized is that I, I need to become better uh, as a defender. I've got to become a better communicator. I've got to move my feet better. I've got to be more aware of what's going around. And like, I love to hear that. And I want to see that from him. But to me, there's really been no indication that there is going to be improvement. Like he, he is a guy who is late on rotations, misses rotations, gets backdoor cut a lot like I just don't really trust Keldon Johnson defensively like he I think he does give high effort on ball but if he's not defending like he's not directly involved in the action he's kind of just a dude out there he's kind of just a body and he gets lost in the mix so I don't really trust Keldon Johnson in that way I'd love to see him put the words that he's you know put out there at media day throughout the press conferences into action but I think if you watch through the tape I, I, I don't know that there's really a lot of indications that that's going to happen Fascinating. Yeah. And I trust you on this stuff too, because you were making the point, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before that DeJounte Murray was maybe a little bit overrated as kind of like a nuts and bolts uh, defender as well with his screen navigation. I think that kind of definitely bore out uh, when we saw them try to use him at, in that way in Atlanta. So I, I think he got a good track record uh, on this stuff. Do you think he <laughs> physically has what it takes to be like a, an above average wing defender? I think he might. Like one of the, the issues with Keldon Johnson is like, like a few seasons ago, he packed on a lot of muscle because they mostly played him at power forward. And that was the, the plan, like play, play him at power forward. Yeah, he's going to be able to hold his own there. And then last season, it was like, OK, well, the plan was he dropped 20 pounds during the offseason. We want him to have quicker feet. We want him to be on the perimeter more. And it just didn't really matter. It, it, it didn't matter that much. And this season, he's talked about like, oh, you know, I've really worked on my foot speed and he's been in the in the gym boxing. <clears throat> working on, you know, like footwork stuff, getting his feet quicker. So like, I, I want to see that, you know, put into action. I want to see how like his body transformation this off season really impacts his defense. But he, I think he might have a chance to hold his own on, on the perimeter against wings. I just don't, I need to see it before I'm willing to say yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And yeah, I mean, I think there was a time where like, oh man, this guy could be like the perfect stretch four uh, that we need who can also like kind of play guard one through four, maybe in five because he's strong like that. Now, of course, uh, you have somebody else that you're going to play there. And then Sohan, who's probably ahead of him in the pecking order as well, is really a four. So it's really the minutes are going to have to be uh, at the three for him at this point. Okay, last guy I think we should hit. I, Trey Jones, good player. You know, I think he's like, you know, kind of in that uh, lower end starting point guard, really good defender uh we, we talked about the shot but he can operate and pick and roll a little bit like he, he's just a smart player like winning player uh not someone that i feel is gonna you know be huge to the ultimate fate of this franchise so i, I don't know if we need to hit on him much more but i do want to talk about brandon since it 
I know he's someone that a lot of people are really high on. Yeah, no, I love Malachi Branham. I'm really excited for him this season in particular because I think he's going to be given free reign in that second unit. Like I, I, At least from what we've seen in the preseason, what we've seen in Summer League, what we saw at the end of last year, the Spurs really seem to believe in him. And like he's a guy who I think could be a legitimate three-level scorer. Now, I think one, one of the problems with him is like defensively, he was a liability for most of the season. Like he, he doesn't move his feet that well. Um, you know, it's it's strange because it, he looks strong on the offensive end. Like he's able to knock guys out of his way on the way to the basket and then, you know, give them that bump and then go back up and finish. But he didn't really like, he wasn't super physical defensively. Like he was, he, I don't want to say he like uh, kind of like laid down and like let guys bully him out of the way, but he didn't offer a ton of resistance um, on drive. So I don't know. I, I like Malachi Branham offensively. I'll say that. Like, I think he's a guy who, even though he didn't shoot super well from three during his rookie season with the Spurs, he was awesome as a spot up shooter at Ohio State, like above 40%. I believe that's going to translate. I think he's another guy who can really get to his spots in the mid range, pull up, knock those down, like shoot 45 to 50% in that area, be really efficient. Um, and I think he has, you know, maybe a little bit of playmaking chops that are untapped, but certainly not a guy who's, you know, like handling all of the, you know, playmaking responsibilities for the second unit. Maybe a guy who's ha- handling those secondary, um, you know, reps there. But yeah, I, I really, really like Malachi Branham and I'm interested to see, you know, what do they do with him this year? You know, where does he fit in? And that whole second unit, really, like who is in it? Like who who comprises the second unit? Because whoever's in the second unit, I think that'll determine, you know, largely determine what his role is and how much of the scoring volume and in uh responsibilities he does receive so let me ask you this about brand because a lot, a lot of times ben falk was someone who talked about this you know because a lot of times people be like oh i really like that guy right and someone will be like yeah you know i don't really like him that much but it's like you know is it relative to consensus you know sometimes you actually really drill down to like what is i like this guy i don't like this guy mean you know, you find you're not that far apart with the person or sometimes the guy who quote unquote doesn't <laughs> like him actually thinks he's gonna be better than the guy who does like him so like what are we kind of talking you, you say you like him like what are we talking we're talking about like a starking shooting guard we talking about a guy who's going to really be like a high level of score we talking about a really good six man like what's what do you kind of see him as fully formed i see him as like a high level sixth man like yeah. you know guy give you 15 16 off the bench they may be more depending on like you know the other scores on the team and how much you know how much responsibility they want to put on his shoulders but yeah i could i could see him being a guy who gives you 15 16 off the bench like i think he is really versatile he's a really good cutter he's a good spot up shooter he can you know pull up off the dribble from mid-range he's working on getting to the basket he doesn't get to the free throw line all that much i'd love to see him get to the free throw line more but um you know a guy who can hit hit his open teammates from a pass away not like a super dynamic playmaker or someone who has outstanding court vision but i I think he's a really really solid player who's like you know that that quintessential sixth man that is just holding your second unit together and i and i think that that could be really important for the spurs going forward yeah and you may see uh yeah, because that, that was really enlightening there because I, I think, you know, people, a lot of people are like, yeah, I really like Malachi Brown. I'm like, okay, you know, are we talking about a guy who's sort of like, you know, a Tim Hardaway Jr. type of guy, you know, maybe a little bit better defensively? Like, is that the sort of, I, I mean, probably Malachi Brown maybe could be a little bit better of a mid range score potentially. You know, are we talking about like a high end starting shooting guard? Like, you know, he probably has to get better defensively for that to be the case. And of course, he's got Vassell in front of him who they just invested in there, but he could maybe play with Vassell as well. So that's, uh, I think it's, it's interesting to think about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I don't not think of him as like a future superstar. You know, if you wanted to say who, it, who, like, if he really, really hits, who did he look like? Maybe he looks like.
looks like kind of like a Bradley Beal. Um, but that's, you know, I think that's like a very, very high end outcome, not one that I would necessarily be betting on. So yeah, I think I, I fall kind of about where you are, you know, if things work out for him. Um, all right. I want to shift to this a little. Well, actually, yeah, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about just kind of like what the, uh, that bench rotation might look like. That's probably a good next topic. Yeah. We can talk about the second unit here because again, like we don't, we don't really know exactly what that's going to look like, but at least for me, like right now, day one, when you're starting the season, I think it's going to be something. And obviously Devonte Graham is suspended to begin the season, but I think once he is back, it'll look something like Devonte Graham, Malachi Branham, Chetty Osman, Jeremy Sohan, and then Charles Bassey. Like, I, I think that's most likely the, the five guys off the bench who you're looking at now, like will Doug McDermott and Sandro Mamakalashvili, you know, push for minutes. Maybe can Julian Champagny kind of usurp Chetty Osman for minutes. I, I think that's possible as well. But again, like those five guys we, we just talked about, those are the guys who I think are going to be the first guys off the bench to begin the season. Yeah. And Graham, uh, he is at least someone who, there have been moments when he's uh, given you know, even almost close to starting level of point guard play more in Charlotte. He disappointed since he went to New Orleans, but his skill set actually works on this team. Like he does have some of that off the dribble three point shooting. You're maybe not going to run everything through him, but he can at least be off the ball uh, and be a threat. You know, he'll pull some quick threes in transition. He can pass it a little bit out of pick and roll. I think if you're looking for one of the biggest reasons why they might be better this year, uh, other than Wembenyama, but if you're just kind of comparing where were the holes in the roster last year. You know, Devontae Graham... Again, I thought he shouldn't have necessarily been in the rotation in New Orleans, and he probably got overplayed by Willie Green. But like, he still, I think, could be give you competent backup point guard play, which Blake Wesley uh, kind of didn't <laughs> last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think like that's that's something where you're like, okay, to actually have a real rotation here, like they do have a bunch of young guys, they're going to play, they're going to make mistakes. But this is a, a team that like has ten NBA players on it, which you know they really some of the guys that were playing last year and like just some of the lineups they brought out there you know especially with the amount of like selective resting that occurred in in various games like they should be able to if they want to (laughs) put real lineups on the floor most of the time this season no i I do think that that's and i just as an aside i love that term that you use selective resting i don't know if i've ever (laughs) heard anybody say that before i like that um but yeah, no, I, I do think they have those, you know, 10 real NBA players. They might have like, and maybe I'm kind of overrating these guys, but I think they may have, you know, close to 11, 12. And I, and I think like, you know, training camp and preseason, like it is going to come down to the wire to, you know, like who's going to get these spots. Cause as I mentioned, I mean, Doug McDermott was a guy who played like pretty much every game and like started a lot of games when he was healthy. I don't know where he fits in this season. Like Chetty Osman was a guy who I thought, you know, when they first traded for him, are they going to cut him? It seems like they might cut him. Like, I, I don't know where he fits. And then all of a sudden, you know, they cut Reggie Bullock instead of Chetty Osman. Um, and it's like, okay, well, I'm, I, that kind of surprised me. The same thing, like it didn't surprise me as much with, uh, you know, campaign. But yeah, there's just so many players on this roster who could theoretically earn minutes. I, I think it is going to come down to the wire and it, it'll be really fascinating to see like wh- where does pop go to begin the season and kind of how do these rotations evolve as the season progresses and guys inevitably overachieve or underachieve. Yeah, I am a little upset that we spent so much time on Victor and not enough on the city Sissoko versus Dominic Barlow, <laughs> uh, you know, sixth big competition. Uh, Kem Birch is also still on this roster somehow, but uh, yeah, I think it's time to turn to just trying to project the, the 
this team a little bit. Is there anything at all statistically that we can take away from last year, or is it just a complete wash because of, of how ridiculous of a season it was? I think there's some things that are a wash, like the having the worst defensive rating in NBA history. Like I, that's not going to happen again this season. Like that's you know it's not. They're not going to be selectively resting guys. They're not and, going. And quickly, they have here, one Benyama. Worst in, in NBA history. Like that usually the. I mean, we've seen for the last five years, whoever the worst defense is, is the worst NBA history with the trend in offense. But they were 1.2 points per 100 worse than number 29 Houston. It was epic how bad they were. <laughs> yeah, no, they were really, really bad there. But as, as far as like anything else we could take away from it, I think that we're still going to see them really push the pace, get into early offense. Like they were second in pace last year in the NBA. And they also shot, you know, an average of 14.2 seconds into the shot clock. I, I expect them to continue to do that. Like for, you know, for as much talent as they have on the roster and, and the veterans that they added this off season, I still think it's going to be a bit of a struggle in the half court. And so, you know, for that reason, there's no reason for them not to push the pace. Like it just makes sense to get out and transition, leak out, uh, you know, try to create as many fast break opportunities as possible. But outside of that, really, no, I mean, I, I think it is mostly a wash. Like they do have a lot of guys returning, but I think there's been a lot of development. You know, they have a few guys who they're adding in and out of the rotation. And obviously the addition of Wimbenyama, it just, I mean, it changes everything, not just for, you know, this year, but you know, the, the long-term trajectory of this franchise. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Now, they were exceedingly unlucky on opponent jumpers last year. I think opponents shot the highest in the league against them on long twos and basically the highest in the league against them on threes. Now, were those more open? Probably, but not at a, at a number that's sustainable. You don't see those numbers usually track from year to year. So they weren't, even if you just look at the fundamentals, they weren't as bad. You know, opponents shot really well at the rim and shot a ton there. So, you know, their, their shot profile was was that they were giving up was also terrible, both in terms of where it was happening and how contested it was. Yeah. But, you know, they, they were unlucky defensively last year. So, uh, and I mean, as as you know, I think we can all say, you know, everyone kind of mailed it in. There was the selective resting. There was no continuity. I'm <laughs> going to say Pop wasn't exactly, uh, you know, really uh, grinding the gears as a defensive taskmaster a, a year ago. So that's actually one of the big questions to me about where these guys are going to be. Is like, does Pop still have it? That's, that's one of the questions that I have like you know even as recently as the later part of the last decade with the the DeRozan teams uh you know the 18-19 like I thought they really o overperformed their talent although those that was kind of more on offense but like is this a team that's actually could be more than the sum of its parts that we're talking about and like is Greg Popovich uh, in his mid-70s is he going to be able to drive that uh that's that's a big question for me in trying to project this team. Yeah, I still very much trust in Popovich, but I think different from 
you know, maybe the big three era where it was like, if you were, it didn't matter who you were, like if you were Timmy or you were Manu or Tony or Bruce Bone, whoever, um, and you made a mistake, you know, you're, you're getting taken out of the game and your ass is getting chewed out, right? Like that's, that's not happening really anymore. I think pop is taking a more, if you want to call it player friendly, um, maybe generation friendly (laughs) approach. Like these guys are much, 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 much younger. It's a different generation of guys. Um, you know, youngest team that he's ever coached. I think he's more focused on teaching them lessons and letting them learn on the fly than like necessarily punishing them right away. And then like, having that threat of, oh, I could be pulled at the game at any moment, um, like lingering in their mind. Like, I don't I don't think that's something that he really has as far as his tactics anymore. I don't think that's something he's he wants to do anymore. I think he's very much interested in trying to be as, um, you know, constructive with his c- criticism, less harsh with his criticism, um, but, you know, but still, you know, still hold them accountable. But it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, in front of the bright lights, in front of the media necessarily. So I, I still trust in Popovich. I think a lot of the players, you know, they obviously they still respect him very much he just became a hall of famer he's got a resume that speaks for himself but uh, yeah i don't know how how much how many more wins they're gonna have than a season ago but i don't know if that's necessarily on pop i mean certainly i'm a big believer still in the culture that they have and their development and you just look at their draft track record they had a couple of misses but i mean if you like even the guys that they were taking over the last 10 years and they're for a lot of time they're drafting 29th or they traded for a pick like that like they're they're getting good contributors guys who look really good just about with every draft pick when you compare it to the slot so i, I think their overall culture i mean victor Wembanyama, you saw it on draft night he desperately wanted to be a part of what they're doing in san antonio he's really hoping for san antonio and, and so I, I think the the way that they uh, are able to create that culture is really important. You know, from an X's and O's standpoint, yeah, you know, that's a little bit more of a, of a question for me of just like getting a team to be more than the sum of its parts. That's where I'm I'm not really sure. You know, we just haven't seen it in a few years, and of course, we're kind of getting into unprecedented territory just for a coach in terms of his age. Although it's worth noting that you know, generally, people are are just you know living longer and being you know uh, you know being dynamic later into life so the fact that it's never happened before doesn't mean that it can't happen now um i'm kind of looking at the four fact like i want to kind of i want to believe in these guys a little bit right you look at some of the talent and it's like man like you know victor and vassell trey jones sohan like they're actually you know zach collins is okay as a rim protector at times like there actually is some defensive talent on this team i don't think they're going to be that good on offense like i just don't think they have enough shooting even victor you know he's whoever you want to say it's victor vassell is their number one creator like that's probably going to be below average this year like i think their offense gonna be pretty bad so again this kind of goes back to pop and what they're trying to accomplish as well but like they have a lot of talent on defense but man young teams generally just don't defend so i i don't really know what to make of uh what their defense is going to be this year that's the biggest struggle to me in projecting them yeah uh and, and again like that inexperience lack of chemistry we talked about it, the youngest roster of the popovich era you don't see young teams typically perform very well well on that end right like they're still learning how to communicate they're still learning schemes they're still still learning terminology like i i don't know if i expect them to jump from you know historically bad defense to top 10 or anything like that but i do think they'll be somewhere in the middle of the pack like i, I really do think that Wimbenyama plus the development of some of these young guys and some of the continuity that they had from a year ago i think that's enough to bring them to the middle of the pack um but yeah, I mean, th- so, that's so a big like, question mark. Like 15th, do you think, really, is is where they could I'm be? I'm thinking maybe like, yeah, like 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Maybe closer to 20. But it, it'll, I mean, really, it wouldn't surprise me if if they, you know, somehow made it, you know, directly in the middle of the pack, that, you know, 14, 15, 16 range. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's just uh, to me, maybe if Victor were going to be used more at center, I might get on board with that slightly more. And I want to just kind of see how good he's going to be. I, I still think he's not like when he's in the area, he is a force. I just how often is he going to be affecting plays uh, is a real question for me. Like if he is there, he's going to cause major problems uh you know when i kind of gamed out the defense i I had them kind of in the low 20s just because they're young just because i think they could be out of it and like then maybe some of the priorities will shift you know if they they might play younger guys they might move on from some of these guys they're probably not really their defensive players necessarily um yeah i mean i guess it's time to actually make a prediction yeah i mean their offense like they were 30th in free throw rate last year i think victor's really the only guy in this team who's going to get to the line at all um so i think they'll be pretty low there interested to see how victor is refereed and and how many free throw he gets he's only taken three i think in both of these first two games um i think they'll hit the offensive glass a little bit i think they're going to turn it over a ton um you know pop teams have usually done better there but victor is going to have a lot of space to explore they're not going to have any spacing they're probably going to run a lot which actually leads to high turnovers and i just don't think that they're gonna like their shot mix is not gonna be that good they might have some guys who will make mid-rangers but i'm i just don't think that it's gonna be great there so i kind of have them pegged right now as a bottom five offense again maybe victor just being unbelievable changes that so that kind of puts a ceiling on it and yeah defensively yeah i've just i gotta be a little bit more conservative with a young team that i I certainly i mean if you look at the talent on this roster and it all hits and properly goes up you can see them getting in to even like you know number 10 or something like that you're kind of being like last year's orlando magic type of level potentially if they really get everything to work it just it still feels like a little bit of a development season uh, young guys like trying to figure out who can actually play on this team maybe they're tanking down the end of the year so i think that kind of puts me more in the you know 20 to 23 range i think ultimately i'm gonna go with 28 wins for the san antonio spurs this year which would be basically a 10 win improvement over their fundamentals from last year. Okay. I think at least for me, I'm a little bit more optimistic on that. And I mean, I watched this team be so, so, I mean, bad, like night in and night out for 82 games last season. And I think there are some, you know, genuine areas where they will have improvement defensively. I do think, again, like I feel that they can finish in the middle of the pack. And I think they do have maybe a little bit more three point shooting than maybe most people give them credit for. Like, again, some of these guys may not be in the rotation every night, but I think you go down the list, McDermott, Graham, Vassell, Branham, Osman, Johnson, Champagny, Collins, Malmukalashvili. Like those are all guys who can knock down threes. Um, You know, other guys on the roster who can't, obviously you've got Trey Jones and Sohan who kind of bring that down. They will probably play a ton of minutes, Charles Bassey as well. But I think they can be at least respectable on the offensive. And I don't, again, I don't think they're going to be a top offense. I think that, you know, the lack of pull up shooting from three. I think maybe a little bit of lack of self-creation on this roster, advantage creation, like that is going to bog them down a bit. But I could see them finishing with 32, maybe 33 wins. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and lock my answer in at 33 wins. Um, you know, I feel I feel pretty comfortable putting them at 33. I do think they'll make that kind of jump, even though, you know, that kind of jump doesn't really put you anywhere in the Western Conference playoff picture, probably even in the play-in race, right? 
Yeah, probably not. I guess we'll see. Um, last year may have been a, an aberration with that. But uh, yeah, you know, I think that's entirely within the realm of possibility. And I mean, so much of it just comes down to Victor, right? I mean, if he's like, if he's just pl- an all-star this year, like that's totally possible. Totally possible that he's an all-star. And then your 33 is going to hit and probably go over that even. I mean, well, he may be an all-star just because he gets voted in. That's actually, uh, or yeah. <laughs> or at least that the, you know, the fan voting is, is enough of a, um, is, you know, the 50% and that, that gets him in where he but he still would have to be very good to make that happen because you'd have to the other components of it as well uh would, would have to get you voted in uh including the media voting and you know we're we're also objective and, and infallible so yeah <laughs> i think like look yeah that absolutely could happen i just like my heart wants to actually believe in these guys i'm gonna be watching a ton of them of course and believe in their defense and some of the talent that's on the roster i just my head is like man young teams they just don't normally see this particularly in year one right like you're two for Victor, you know, maybe you see a jump like Oklahoma City had last year, but you know, Oklahoma City had Shay Gilders Alexander. I don't think Victor can play at that level as a rookie. As a second year guy? Yeah, maybe. Um, so yeah, I think I think ultimately though, there at the, at the end of the year, there could be some downward gravity as well. Uh, although now that Victor's here, I don't think they want to go that route as much. He's very competitive. So we'll, we'll kind of have to see whether that actually happens or not, or whether they run through the tape. Um, anything else? Any other like big themes? Anything that you wanted to talk about? About that we missed again no i i think really just hammering home the you know what are, what are the rotations going to look like i think one guy who could really benefit from moving to the second unit is 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 a guy like keldon johnson i think right now the narrative around keldon johnson not just with the fan base but maybe some of the people who watched him who were you know not really uh you know spurs fans necessarily maybe some of the national media is that he was you know not super efficient as a scorer and he's not a great defender but i think he can do a lot to change the narrative around himself coming off the bench and, and like popovich talked about it during media day it's like well if manu ginobili can come off the bench than anyone can. And I and I think that would be a really great thing for Keldon. You know, I'm not saying he isn't a great player. I think he is a really solid player, but I think coming off the bench could do you know, work wonders for him. And and I think it would make him more efficient of a score and it would take some defensive burden off of him. So I'm interested to see, does Popovich go that route? You know, he said, again, anyone can come off the bench if Manu can. Um, you know, will that happen? I don't know. But I think it would did be Tim really Duncan interesting to see that. Maybe not in the same caliber of player. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I see the point. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think Victor is probably the only sacred cow uh, in that regard for sure. um all right but man, yeah that's is, that's pretty yeah. much it for me yeah yeah all right well i'm really looking forward to watching this team i very much hope that my prediction on them is wrong and that they look like they're going to be a force sooner rather than later and that victor just completely blows up and i look like a complete moron for picking them for 28 wins and uh not just believing that victor Wembanyama is going to break all of the rules of young nba players early in his career i sincerely hope that happens and uh, we can keep up uh, with you where to follow this inaugural Wembenyama season. Yeah. First off, thank you so much for having me. And you can find me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. You can also find my work at Air Alamo. I'm the editor-in-chief over there. So we have a lot of good writers there too. Check their stuff out as well. And then you can also find me on the Alamo City Limits podcast. We've been on almost a year-long hiatus, but we are coming back starting this month. So really excited for that. But again, thank you so much for having me. Always a blast to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I am uh, would love to join that podcast uh, if you guys will, will have me on. That sounds great. Thank you for listening to this free episode of Dunked on Prime. If you'd like to subscribe, you can at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. 
That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 